How you doing, everybody? The Jet Comic Podcast Network. Welcome to Sports Cars, a podcast where Chicago sports broadcasting pioneer and a national legal expert get into the legal goings of sports. And now your hosts, Chet Kovic and Lester Munson. Big time menu. How you doing, everybody? I'm Chet Kopic, along with ESPN legal analyst Lester Munson. Welcome once again to uh, Sports Court, where we break down the smoke-filled rooms like nobody else. Sports Court, of course, brought to you by the great people at American Taxi, Chicago's premier suburban taxi service. Lester, right off the top, uh, you're going to go in-depth on the story. I will uh, give you the uh, opener by uh, giving you a little bit of blocking and tell you there is not a doubt in my mind based on the legal document which you possess right now that, yes, the New York Jets have created a hostile environment for female employees at their location on Long Island. That is exactly the term to use, Chet. The, this relates to the lawsuit filed by two massage therapists against Brett Favre and, more importantly, uh, the New York Jets. The lawyer who has put this case together has done a very nice piece of work. He's a very successful plaintiff's attorney in New York City, has done uh, wonderful things in other cases. And what he has put together is very interesting, if not totally persuasive, evidence of a very bad environment for female employees within the Jets organization during the 2008 season. He uses in the lawsuit a copy of the Jets calendar, which is basically a skin calendar. This mm-hmm. is what they send out as a, 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 a marketing technique for their team. There's no pictures of football players. It's all pictures of girls in bikinis. Then he also explains in the lawsuit that as their PR person, they hire a former Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. Then they bring in massage therapists, all of them young women, no men, no women who are middle-aged or even older. They bring them in. They put them in with the players for massages. And then, amazing, what a stunning development. Brett Favre thinks maybe he can do something with one of these girls. So this is a perfect, assuming everything that he has in this lawsuit is true and he can prove it, which I think he can, this is the kind of case that if you're the company, if you're the Jets the employer, you've got yourself a big problem trying to defend this case. So uh, let's uh, change gears, change venues. We're now in Kiln, Mississippi. If uh, you're the attorney for Brett Favre, obviously you want to have your uh, uh, your client's name removed from uh, uh, the suit. How would you go about seeking to have the bench remove the name of Brett Lorenzo Favre from this case? Can it be done? I'm not sure it can be done. Uh, The only way they could do it would be for Favre to go to the lawyer for the two therapists and say, okay, I want out of this. I want to make a settlement on the side. The women could settle with him and still keep alive their case against the Jets. That is something that could happen. There are. It's a technical thing, but lawyers know how to do it. Even I, as a lawyer, knew how to do it, so it's pretty (laughs) simple. And... The, they could uh, settle with him and then keep alive the case against the Jets. And really, in this situation, the Jets are the target that you want. You want a big organization taking in big money. You don't want to be coming after a historic quarterback that some of the jurors might feel some sympathy for. Then if you're the Jets right now, given uh, the fact that you're in the nation's uh, 
most high-profile of markets, the world's most high-profile of markets, for that reason, why not settle as rapidly as possible? I cannot imagine why they wouldn't be calling this lawyer right now and trying to settle. Uh, they have, however, hired a lawyer. Uh, the law firm's name is Safarth Shaw. It's a Chicago firm with an office in New York. They Their reputation is we never settle. We fight every case. We win as many as we can. So instead of trying to settle, which to me would be a very good idea, they have gone in the other direction. They have hired a guy who is there as a weapon to try to beat up on these women until they can't get up. Uh, Rich Rodriguez deposed at uh, Michigan as their head coach after three very, very lackluster campaigns, uh, topped off by a lousy performance in a bowl game uh, just several days ago. Uh, now... Just a pile on, Lester. Just a pile on if you want to. Now you're telling me Rich Rod has real estate problems. He has very serious real estate problems. He and a group of other people, including some assistant coaches, decided they would be part-time real estate developers. Part-time real estate developer is like part-time neurosurgeon. It's not (laughs) a good idea. You can get hurt out there. And so they decided we're going to build condominiums, and what better place than by the parking lot outside a college football stadium, let's say, just as an example, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. The fans would love to buy a condo for their tailgate party so they don't have to stand around in the parking lot with everybody Uh else. And the reaction of fans to this idea, a new form of tailgating, was we're doing fine with the tailgating we have, thank you very much. And so these guys got stuck with a lot of loans that they had signed for. And Rodriguez is the one guy who has the money that can pay back the loan. So all of these banks that loan the money are coming after him instead of the other people who were in the development. So he could end up very close to insolvency here if this thing continues in the way it's been going. Now, we're talking about a guy who I imagine was making around $3 million bucks a year at Michigan, and you're saying he could wind up broke. He could easily wind up broke. They've got 9 or $10 million in unpaid loans on these developments. Good Lord. He could go through bankruptcy. The problem is he's made all this money, and it's going to be almost impossible for him to do that. So really... He's got to find a way to either get out of those cases, which I don't think he can do, or find some way to settle with the banks. Lester, Hosanna, Hosanna. Finally, the BBWA, the Baseball Writers of America, stand down and allow the Dutchman, Bert Blylevin, the man with the greatest curveball I've ever seen, into Cooperstown, into Baseball's Hall of Fame, along with uh, Robbie Elmar, a brilliant second baseman, best known for spitting in the face of uh, John Hirschbeck. Now, in your best conspiratorial tone, Tell me why you believe that there may well be, in fact, um, a growing number of individuals within the infrastructure of the BBWA who will never vote for Jeff Bagwell and 449 home runs. Even though he's never outwardly been linked with steroids, there appears to be an element of bona fide suspicion. The, when you look at Jeff Bagwell's record, he obviously has the numbers to be in the Hall of Fame probably uh, on a first ballot. He he has numbers that are, in some categories, better than Willie Mays and Henry Aaron. But because of this suspicion of using steroids, he probably will never get into the Hall of Fame. There, he has never tested positive. There is absolutely no evidence that he ever used any of these drugs. But these baseball writers, when they look at the way he came into Major League Baseball and the way he left, they see him growing bigger and mm-hmm. bigger, stockier and stockier, when he started, he was stealing bases. 
when he finished, he was this huge, muscular character. And so because of the years when he played, be the beginning of the steroid era, this uh, is what's happening to him. He was a weight room obsessed player, as we all know. He could bench press 340, 350 pounds, a huge lifter. But that apparent, without any evidence, only suspicion against him, he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. And the same thing looks like for Mike Piazza, another great mm-hmm. home run hitter who everybody thinks... Defining catcher of his era. Really. And certainly one of the great offensive catchers of all time. A great player, fun to watch. I, I always love watching him. And he's in that same category. And so we're now selecting and voting on players based on suspicion not on evidence. If you were a member of the uh, Baseball Writers of America and Mark uh, McGuire was to uh, go public and come forth with a a flat-out statement that, yes, I did use steroids, um, I want to appeal to the Baseball Writers of America to look at my numbers, look at my records. I admit I was wrong. I was swept up in part of an era. What I did was not done out of malice, not done uh, uh, with any intent to... uh, uh, harm or uh, uh, delineate the uh, the good name of Major League Baseball. I just did it because it was part of a trend. I know I was wrong. I admit I was wrong. Is there any way that he could win you over from a public relations perspective? Boy, that that is a really interesting question. It, it, it's a dilemma. And when you first recognize that no one in baseball was testing for steroids until 2004, when you look at his numbers before 2004... They're staggering. And th- they are staggering. They're definitely Hall of Fame numbers. Uh, and then you think of him as purely a power hitter so that the performance-enhancing drugs had a lot to do with those numbers. Um, the integrity of the apology, do you believe that it's sincere? I don't know. The- these guys were doing something that baseball did not prohibit and in some ways... Encouraged The owners were ambivalent about steroids until finally 2004. When Sosa and McGuire were hitting those home runs, people flocked to the ballpark to see him. Profits went up. Attendance went up. Fans loved what happened in the steroid era on the field. I, I don't know. It's a close question. I used to think absolutely never would I vote for the guy if I had a vote. Uh, now I'm beginning to think maybe we have to take another look at this. You know, Lester, uh, our mutual buddy Bruce Levine from uh, ESPN brought up a great point. We as a media collectively failed during the steroid era. We were so swept up in 1998 by the rejuvenation of Major League Baseball by uh, Mark McGuire and by Sammy Sosa, we overlooked steroids. We got swept up. I, I think Journalistically, Bruce, we failed. Bruce makes a, an exquisite point. We are complicit in the fact that we did nothing about this, even though we saw these guys bulking up and you knew what was going on. There was that AP reporter who saw the drugs in McGuire's locker. Right. He reported it. He should be in the Hall of Fame. But instead of him becoming a hero to us in journalism, he was a pariah for a couple of years because he right. reported on that. So that not, we... That, there's definitely a problem that the media must face on this. He is Lester Munson. I'm Chet Kopic. Once again, this has been Sports Court, brought to you by my good friend John Coyne and the marvelous people at American Taxi, you people in the suburbs, whether it's uh, Winnetka, Kenilworth, whether it's Arlington Heights, whether it's Crystal Lake, whatever the case may be, Naperville, rely on the comfort, the low price, the courtesy, 
the uncommon decency of American Taxi to get you where you want to go. For uh, Lester and for our tech operator, Dan Levy, I'm Tech Topic. We'll catch you next time around. So long, everybody.